You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for December 24th, 2021, Christmas Eve. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Peter Walsh. It's based on Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. On most evenings, I gather with my family around the end of our kitchen countertop for dinner. And a few weeks ago, uh, I brought up my Christmas sermon. I was uh, crowdsourcing with the home team, looking for a few ideas of what they might find to be the right thing for this year. And my son on my left, who's a very, very funny young man, cleared his throat in this kind of... He had some pronouncement to make, and I turned and looked at him, and he said, Dad, this year, why don't you preach something relevant? (laughs) And, of course, we all burst into laughter, and we started in on this conversation about what is relevant. About 10 days later, I was seated at that same seat at the kitchen counter, and I was typing on my computer, and one other one of my sons walked in, and guessing I was working on my Christmas sermon, he said, uh, hey, uh, you're working on the inflation sermon? (laughs) And I had this immediate vision, a kind of King James Version, Monty Python-like vision of the shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. The angel said unto them, be not afraid. For behold, I bring you good news, which will be of great joy to all of the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And speaking of signs, did you see that the Federal Reserve is signaling a change in monetary policy to overcome and counteract that ungodly rise in the consumer price index. And the shepherds were sore afraid, uh, for they were not accustomed to angelic visitations, and they were mightily worried that the real purchasing power of their shekels would be devilishly diminished by this ungodly inflationary pressures. And so they went with haste to Bethlehem, for they were in search of good news for the news cycle had been depressing for years, given that the Romans were oppressing them. Now, this is obviously completely ridiculous, though it made me very, very happy. And the more I thought about it, the more I began to see that there's actually some truth to all of this in its ridiculousness. For the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and all of us hear this angelic announcement in the challenging circumstances of our lives. Though it was not inflation or the pandemic or the baseball strike, the scriptures do touch on the life challenges that Mary and Joseph were facing. We all know that in the first chapter of of Luke's gospel, we hear that Mary's pregnancy is so troublesome and so scandalous, the angel of the Lord even suggests to her that she get out of Dodge and go visit her aunt Elizabeth so that uh, she might move away, Elizabeth also having a troublesome pregnancy. Excuse me. And then Joseph, we know from St. Matthew's Gospel, also has all kinds of problems and he is going to 
uh, separate or divorce from his betrothed. And the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and says, no, 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 uh, keep her as your wife. And then there is one man in the world, the most powerful man in the world, Caesar Augustus, the first man to singularly oversee and rule the Roman Empire, calls for an enrollment. In other words, uh, he is bringing everybody together so that their oppressors can tax them. Then, of course, we know that to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem is about 90 miles, and that very, very pregnant Mary makes that journey. And we all know that there's no room at the inn. The baby arrives. There's no crib, so the baby gets put in the manger. And surely, surely, Mary and Joseph are completely worn out. So we're worn out, too. We all know that, a steady stream of bad news. The Wall Street Journal and the New York Times have the most incredible collections of articles and captions. I started to collect them at one point, but my stack got very, very high very quickly. Inflation's pace surges, the Fed's wild year, exhausted world wonders, will COVID ever end? Does the pandemic have your blood pressure rising? You're not alone. Protective glass separated Maria Eduardo III from Santa Claus at a store in Boston on Saturday. This was the year for harpsichords. Spotify users wrapped lists show melancholy. Anxious, overwhelmed, burned out, stressed, the year in limbo. Visions of a volatile world, the year in pictures 2021. And this was only just a, just a touch of it. And the only reason I'm stopping now is because you all get up and be totally depressed and leave church. I mean, we have a good news deficit disorder, right? And all that is adding up to a joy deficit disorder. We are all in need of some good news. The other day I was talking with Brian Hetherington, known to many of you in the parish, Brian, a member of our world, uh, and he was talking about the age of intolerance. And then he said, you know, we need to remind people of the big good news. That's what we're all about, the big good news. And, of course, tonight is the night of the big good news, and it's good news that comes to us announced by an angel from God. It's angels' jobs to give words to human beings from God's thoughts, and it's a thought that we need to hear again today. We all know the story, and we all know the story particularly in the King James Version, which is what Father Justin just read. Be not afraid, and our world certainly is marked by fear. I will bring you good news. We need this in our bad news world of great joy. We need this in our depressed world, which will come to all people. We need this in our divided in tribal world. Uh, For to you is born. Each of us, tell me it's not true, don't need some sense that everything that's happening is personal to each of us and not just cosmic. We all need some divine help for we're told a savior who is Christ the Lord is born. The interesting thing about this is, in this vision, this angelic vision, right, uh, no one is left behind in this good news, right? It's not a zero-sum game. This is game-changer news, and it's a joy-maker. And joy, we sometimes forget, particularly with uh, certain preachers, uh, is a major theme in the Bible, right? In the Hebrew Scriptures, Uh, The prophets and the psalmists are are often talking about the joy of God. Uh, There is joy in the being of God. There's joy in ordinary life. 
there is the Israelites uh, come through the Red Sea and in the wilderness they dance for joy. Psalm 104 says, God has given us wine to gladden the human heart. A great line for so many people. Uh, and joy also permeates the New Testament. Uh, joy characterizes the new era of the coming of the Messianic age. Right? Joy is central to the teaching and ministry of Jesus. The kingdom of God is characterized by joy. And at the Last Supper in John's Gospel, you may remember that at the end of his talk, Jesus says, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And then after Jesus' death and resurrection, of course, Paul picks it up and says that the ultimate source of joy is to be in Christ. He calls this joy in the Lord. Paul says that joy is a fruit of the Spirit, a sign of Jesus' presence is with you, inspiring hope in the midst of hardship. And we all know that the early Christian church was marked by hardship and that they were a joyful community. And Paul says, in our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. This joy, which we all have a great desire for, comes from God and is rooted in God. It is spiritual joy and it, it is an attitude and it's a disposition of the heart. It's a gift of the spirit and it's a choice we make, not because we have happy circumstances in our lives, but because of the aliveness and the truth of the divine presence, right? The divine light, which gives us a kind of holy hope, even when things are seriously cruddy. That joy is deeper, it's, it's foundational within us. Now we all know, uh, because we're gathered here in person and in stream, uh, that, that joy uh, is one of the charisms of Christmas, right? It, it is joy divine. We've been singing about it. And we see this in the scriptures and in the story when suddenly there was an, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. You know, I love that, that line, and I particularly love the word suddenly. Suddenly, right? It's so evocative. Uh, it, it's, as though, it's as though the heavens cannot contain the joy, and, and they're on the other side of a spiritual reality, and they, boom, they burst into our reality, onto our playing field, and suddenly in the darkness, there is praise of God, there is divine luminosity, there is the glory of the Lord shown around them. The glory of the Lord is this light which is alive with divinity, which is alive with love, and it is not like our incandescent light. It is light that conveys the ecstasy of angels. That's what we have here. We have the light of joy, the visual, visual manifestation of joy. Angels in themselves have no light. Angels simply are reflective beings. They're spiritual beings that reflect the divine light of God. They don't have anything in and of themselves. They reflect the divine flow, the divine mindset, the divine joy, and that is what bursts onto our playing field. And the shepherds don't only catch a glimpse of that divine light, right? They get a bolt of divine joy. The scriptures say, and the shepherds went with haste. Now, Again, you've got to kind of, you got to think like Monty Python here, right? Uh, uh, because what Monty Python does when they talk about the scriptures is they put the scriptures in what the scriptures, in some sense, 
are trying to say. And so that is sort of Bible speak for saying their minds were totally blown. They had no mental circuitry to process what had just happened to them, right? They are enlivened with a spiritual joy that they have never known, they have never conceived of. Every cell in their body is, is, is like hyper-energized. They are, all of their sensors and spiritual sensors are awakened. They have a spiritual en energy that just courses through their muscles. Their heart is on fire. It's as though they, they're going to leap out of their sandals, right? And they bolt up the hill. So the, angel, uh, the, the shepherds, shepherd's field is down here and Bethlehem is up here. And I'm sure the dopamine is pumping through their legs as they run up that hill. And upon arrival, they're all talking at the same time, trying to explain to Mary and Joseph this thing which has happened. So, the charism of Christmas joy also is a part of the scriptures of our lives. And I don't mean the holy scriptures. I mean, each of us has a holy scripture in our lives, in our engagement, our wrestling with God, our holy stories. And myriads of millions through the millennia will all tell each of us that for those who come to that manger in faith, that babe is not only wrapped in swaddling clothes, but the babe is wrapped in the glory of God. The babe in that manger is in divine light. The luminosity of God is there in our devotional lives, right? It is, it's the divine shine through time, right? And that babe carries and conveys a kind of joy that we can sing gently about, which we will soon in silent night, or we can sing loudly and brassily, not a word, but you get the idea, uh, in joy to the world. This is a joy that can burn bright and burn hot, or can, can be like coals on an interior fire that warms us during tough times. And so we all know this, and I'm just giving word to it, that tonight we are spiritual shepherds who are making haste for the manger, right? And tonight we, we go to that inner cave and kneel before the manger, before that divine luminosity, so that we can soak up some of that joy. Many of you have been to Bethlehem, you've been to Shepherd's Field, and you have, you've seen these caves. It is likely that Jesus was born in a cave, and these caves are subterranean. They're underground, and it's very possible simply to walk over the top of them and not know that there is a cave below. And our soul is like that, too. It's very possible simply to walk through your life and never really access that interior space below us. We're, we're just lost in our heads, but we're not lost in our souls. So the joy that is there in the Christmas charism, right? It's not like the joy that we seek in the outer world, which traffics in bad news. And it's not like the joy that one might find in the Amazon rocket in outer space. This is an inner joy, an inner space where the babe is in the manger. And so, hey, last year we were not in this building. And this year we had hoped that it was going to be full. 
And it didn't happen, right? The pandemic doesn't seem to want to go away. It just, it just isn't. But thank God it's Christmas. Because instead of being overwhelmed and wearied by this pandemic that won't go away, tonight and for the 12 days of Christmas, we can go into our interior cave, just go there and kneel before the divine luminosity and just sit there until joy soaks into your soul. And you know what? You'll stand up and you're going to feel good. And you should feel good tonight. You shouldn't be down. For tonight we celebrate the birth of our Lord. So let's all go to that manger and let's soak up that light of joy because it's right there for us. Let's just make the trip with haste like those shepherds. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanon.org.